0: Hello, and welcome to the Curious Neuron podcast. I am not Cindy, obviously. My name is Anna Skates. I'm a conscious parenting coach, advocate for kids, and most near and dear to my heart, I am a Mr. Rogers wannabe. More on that later. Uh, I'm taking over the podcast today. Yay. Thank you, Cindy, for that opportunity. Uh, before I begin, I want to, of course, thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for their support of this podcast and Cindy's work. I'm personally grateful to anyone who provides resources to Cindy to do what she does in the world. Like It's so critical and important, and I'm really grateful for that support. On this episode, I wanted to talk about transitions. This is so often at the root of a lot of questions or frustrations that I hear from parents. And transitions can refer to big or small things, right? It may be something major like moving to a new city or a divorce in the family. Or it could be something seemingly small like moving from a crib to a bed or moving from eating dinner to brushing your teeth. (laughs) But regardless, uh, transitions can often trigger some unexpected behavior. And I think often leaves parents feeling really frustrated and overwhelmed and frankly, annoyed, which is fair. But I want to help us reframe this uh, to see our kids differently, right, to be able to empathize with their struggle through transitions, and then also to find some practical ways to deal with transitions that make them a lot smoother for everyone involved. So I want to firstly invite you to think about a transition in your own life. Maybe it was a move, uh, getting a new job, becoming a parent, (laughs) huge transition there, right? Right. And I want you to think back to all of the feelings that you had about that and all the ways that you found yourself coping with those feelings. Maybe you napped a lot due to overwhelm, or maybe you were so nervous that you forgot to do like some really important things. Or maybe you lashed out at a partner or a friend because you were feeling like scared and worried and that felt too vulnerable. You see where I'm going with this, right? When we as humans face something new, and especially unknown, we tend to resort to things that are comfortable and familiar to help us cope, right? We don't often think straight, quote unquote. So we may even revert to behaviors that we know are less than desirable, but we just do it anyway. I was talking with a mom just this morning, actually, about her toddler who was, quote, very easily and quickly potty trained, and who just started preschool. So this mom marveled as she, you know, watched her preschooler the other day excuse herself from playing to go to the bathroom and she was like, "Wow, my kid is making such good progress only to then experience her daughter coming home and now reverting back to wetting herself like constantly." Now this mom was understandably, right, annoyed and like consistently frustrated at her wits end, she told me. And after absolutely affirming and validating all of those feelings that she was having, I was able to remind her that her kid just started something new. And while that new thing was probably really exciting for her daughter and offered a feeling of independence and freedom that her toddler had not experienced yet and was probably really craving, That independence and freedom also comes with some discomfort, right? Feeling excited to grow up, but like not quite ready. And I think subconsciously what's happening for her toddler is that she's seeking the familiar, reverting back to behaviors that she knows are less than ideal, but she's quote, not thinking straight, right? Just like we would do. She's not really thinking at all, frankly, not deliberately. She's responding, She's going back to a phase of life where she was a baby and always cared for by her mother, not not really needing to feel the weight of independence or freedom, but she could just kind of be held and feel safe. Like it makes sense, really, when we're able to zoom back out. Transitions are scary, even when they bring like a lot of good possibility for us. And as humans, we naturally protect ourselves from the unknown. It's our evolutionary state. It's totally normal. So if your child is in a similar position, no matter their age, like exhibiting behaviors that you thought they were well past, I would like you to pause and consider what newness may be there for them right now. Like, What are they experiencing that they haven't experienced before ever? is there some transition happening visible or invisible that may be you know prompting that behavior that you're seeing and just allowing yourself the opportunity to stop and notice those things gives so much more space for empathy and understanding and then better yet like problem solving practically finding a solution to the problem one other thing i recommended to that mom as a way to help bring things kind of into perspective, was to write down three things every day that she loves or appreciates about her daughter or three things that she's proud of her for. Because her regression, her daughter's regressive behavior is not all that there is to see about her. Like it's one thing that's happening right now. And same goes for the teenager who's suddenly moody and anxious all the time. That's not all there is to see. There's always more there. Okay, so so I wanna switch gears a little bit here and talk about transitions between tasks. So I know one common struggle is getting your kids from thing to thing at home. This is, I mean, it's a thing here too. Like from playing a game to eating dinner or spending time together to going to bed or brushing teeth. These little transitions can bring a lot of struggle. And a lot of this is is really simply because we're asking our kids to do a thing that they don't want to do on our timeline and often rushing them around to do it most of the time for no reason. Like, I know I personally do not like being rushed, and I certainly don't like being told that I have to brush my teeth right now. Like, if my partner said that to me, I would absolutely look at him like he's insane. Like, yo, I'll get to it. Why on earth are you ordering me around like that? Uh, and, and like, I get it. Yes. As parents and caregivers, we are responsible for keeping our kids healthy and safe. So things like eating and brushing teeth are parts of routines that we have to manage. Yes. But it doesn't have to be managed with you as the dictator and your kids as, you know, the citizens of the kingdom that you rule over. I don't know. Uh, but I wanted to share some of my favorite ways to engage in transitions to make them collaborative. The first thing I want to mention is asking questions. One thing I found myself personally getting really tired of, and I know that a lot of parents are tired of, is feeling like you are repeating yourself every day. Like, these are things we do every day, kid. Why do you keep needing to be reminded of this? You've been doing this for nine years. Why are we still talking about this? So I decided, "Mm." I get to, I get to change the game if I want to. So I'm, instead of saying what is coming next, or instead of like telling them what to do next, I'm going to ask them what they think is next. (laughs) I'm going to say, so I started saying, hey, so uh, what's next? What all you need to do to get ready for bed? There's, there's three things. And then he'll run through the list, nine years old, like, okay, well, I need to brush my teeth, pajamas, and take my melatonin. Yeah, exactly. Which are you going to do first? Like to just ask the question instead of telling them what to do, ask because you know that they know. So don't put yourself in the position to be the dictator, uh, you know, ordering them around, like bring them in on it and just ask them, get curious about it and let them sort of take control where you can give control of how that routine goes down. It's always super helpful because again, you're asking them to do something they don't want to do on your timeline. So they are like, they have zero control, right? So giving them a little bit of that will help this to go a lot smoother. Uh, the second thing I love is playing. Okay. So I'm a kid person at heart. So this one seems to, I think, come more easily to me than it does to other grownups, but I love to make light of transitions. So, like, I love thinking of weird little games we could play to make the transition more fun. Because, again, if I'm asking a kid to do something they really don't want to be doing, I might as well make it as bearable as possible for them and for myself. Because why not? So this might look like moving our body in some, like, weird way to get from one thing to the next. So uh, let's hop on one foot to the bathroom and see who can get there first to brush their teeth. Go! And then we hop down on one foot. Or even asking them, bringing them in on it. Should we skip or slither like a snake down the hallway to the bathroom? Like bringing them in on the game is the best part because when they feel like they have agency in the game, they are much more willing to play the game. (laughs) So just goofy things like that can make what was once a freaking yelling match into a bucket of laughs, you know, and why wouldn't you rather laugh and play than yell and scream? So it's a win-win. Uh, thirdly, visual timers. Oh man. Okay. So no doubt Cindy has talked about the magic of visual timers, but I am telling you they are amazing for transitions, especially for younger kids who can't tell time yet visual timers, which are literally just little like tabletop, like egg timers basically, but they have like a huge colored wedge that gets, you know, smaller as the time passes. So your kids can literally see the time passing. They're so helpful. Again, this is something that a kid could participate in. They could, with your help, set the timer for 15 minutes so they know how much time they have to play before dinner or whatever. Um, This is also such a great skill builder in time management, as crazy as that might sound. It gives them this visual representation of how much time is left for them, and then they can prioritize how they spend that time because now they understand how much time there is to spend. Oh, can't I... I can't praise visual timers enough. So, if you can't get one, I think they're like 15 bucks on Amazon. Um, But you could also use like the timer feature or alarms on your phone or on your Alexa devices or things like that. Okay. And lastly, probably should have put this first in like chronological order, but prepare them. Preparing kids for what's coming is not only like practically useful, but it's also just such an easy way to show them kindness and respect. Like knowing that kids don't have a firm grasp on time or time management, helping them ahead of time to know, you know, when the clock says nine, three, zero, that means it's time for us to go to the library or whatever, like seeing who they are for all of their capacities, but also some of their limitations and then meeting them there uh, so that you can help them through a transition. is just like, oh, it makes my heart so happy to think of caring for a kid in that way, like is this going to help them from protesting when they have to give up something they're really focused on to do the thing that you want them to do? Not necessarily. No, that's never a guarantee. But I'm not a fan of like parenting through through coercion necessarily, like using respect as a strategy. I think we can teach authentic respect by showing authentic respect. So so yeah, just preparing themselves ahead of time, giving them lots of warnings and timestamps, in my experience, has proven really helpful. And I think they will feel that respect. And again, over time, maybe they won't protest so much because they realize like that you do deeply care about the things they care about and the things that they want to be doing. And also, there are other things that need to get done. And as you show them authentic respect in that process, they will be able to give that back to you and, and you can start to work as a team. So some of this takes time, but it's, I think it's so necessary to build a foundation of trust and cooperation that will make these other transitions, big or small, throughout their life so much easier to manage because you're doing it together. OK, so here I want to go back to my Mr. Rogers obsession for a second, and I promise it will tie in. OK, so story time. A few years ago, uh, a documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor came out all about the life and work of Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Some of you may have seen this documentary. I'm not talking about the Tom Hanks movie. I'm talking about the actual documentary um, that came out three or four years ago now. It is oh, it's beautiful. Please go watch it if you haven't. But I went to see this in the theater because I was familiar with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the show. Like I I grew up watching it sometimes. Um, But generally I I went because I love kids and I love knowing other people who love kids. So so I was just sort of intrigued, obviously, and wanted to learn more uh, about who Fred Rogers really was. And I had what I can only describe as an out-of-body experience watching that film. Like, the documentary opens with Fred sitting at his baby grand piano at his house, talking to a person behind the camera about transitions. And he's he's likening it to modulations or chord transitions or progressions in music because he's he was a phenomenal piano player. And I'm also a musician, so I'm immediately hooked, right? So he played through some chord progressions on the piano and talked about how in music, some transitions between certain chords are easier than others. Some are like a quick move from C to G, and others kind of require you to totally shift your hands and weave through lots of black keys and change the way that your hands are positioned. Some transitions are harder than others. And he said something. I actually looked this up. So I have this typed out. I'm going to read it to you. This is what he says. It seems to me that there are different things in life, and one of my main jobs is to help children through some of the difficult modulations of life. Maybe I'm being too philosophical, but it makes sense to me. I sobbed, y'all. Like, it made sense to me, too. And I felt so seen and understood in a way that I never had before, and all because of this conversation around helping children through transitions. It was one of the most beautiful moments of my life watching this film and 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 hearing him say these things, and I just completely related. And maybe that's why the topic of transitions always like holds this special place in my heart, and I always find myself wanting to talk about it. I've never actually made that connection until just now, so thank you. <laughs> but if we can do that for our kids, you know, if we can see all of the things through which they're weaving and navigating, we can help them find their way through. You know, like if we can see what it is they're dealing with, we can help them because most likely we we can kind of see the path ahead of them. We are their guide, not their dictator. Right? We can help them transition into brushing their teeth, not tell them to go brush their teeth. It's that it's that difference, that subtlety. And so I'll end with the same challenge that I gave to the toddler mom earlier today. Take some time today to write down three things about your child that you appreciate, admire, or are proud of. Not accomplishments, not things they did, but something about them as a person. I think it will help you to find the empathy and the wisdom you need to guide them through Whatever transition, big or small, that they're struggling with, you've got this. Thanks for being here. Thank you to Cindy for giving me this platform to ramble on for a bit. And thank you, of course, to the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for your support. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Anna underscore skates on both platforms online at AnnaSkates.co. And you can reach out via email at hello at AnnaSkates.co. Oh, and really quickly, stick around. I'd love to mention my project called Every Little Step. This is a fundraising campaign to raise money to provide step stools to local businesses to make their bathrooms more accessible to kids. If you're listening to this, you're probably a parent or caregiver of some sort. You have taken a kid to a public bathroom and have had to hoist them up and wedge them between your body and the countertop to wash their hands and there's water everywhere. It's a complete mess. We don't build public spaces to accommodate kids and it Drives me nuts and it's a soapbox issue for me clearly. So, I created this campaign to raise money. In this first phase, I will be hand delivering and customizing step stools to take to uh, Nashville area businesses because that is where I am. So, I'm starting where I can uh, in my own backyard and I am providing step stools to local Nashville area businesses to make their bathrooms accessible to kids. But, phase two, Fingers crossed, we'll be nationwide, baby. So if you live somewhere other than Nashville, um, please help to make this first phase a success because if this is a success, we can then partner and expand distribution and make this a nationwide and maybe eventually a worldwide thing. You can find out more about that project at everylittlestep.co. Thank you again for listening and have a fabulous day.